You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Podcast. Today, we have got a guest I have been looking so forward to talking to. We've got Ryan from Order of Man. Ryan, how you doing? Good, Jim. How you doing, brother? Dude, fantastic, man. I found your stuff recently, and I'm just blown away by it. I'm so stoked to have you on the show, and I just dig everything you're doing. So, um, I want to talk. I got a, I man, I have so many questions for you, but I'll, so, I'll, but I'll, I'll try and keep it somewhat brief, but, uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, let's dig into it. Yeah. Right on. So tell me, tell me a little about yourself. I mean, I, you know, I, I there's some really cool stuff in your bio, but I, I want to hear you, you know, talk, tell everybody what, tell it about yourself. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, if you were to go back to the Genesis of order, man, it started when, when I was three years old, my dad left. And for a long time, I didn't have a father in the picture. I grew up without a permanent father figure. And I, I really floundered. I'm giving you the short version, but I really floundered in life as to what it meant to be a man. And this really didn't manifest itself until I started having kids and I got married and I really struggled. I really did. My wife and I at one point decided to call it quits. Uh, we went through a separation. Fortunately, we, we managed to work that out, but that was, that was my fault. And for a long time, I blamed her and, and all the things that she wasn't doing and all the things that she wasn't being in life. Uh, but I came to the realization quick enough where I was able to actually do something about it and fix that. So I did. Uh, that was seven years ago and, uh, we've been married for 12 years now. We've got four kids, so we've got our hands full. Yeah. Yeah. We've got our hands full. (laughs) What do you have? You have boys and girls or what do you got? Yeah, we've got three boys and a little girl. So I've got an eight-year-old boy, a five-year-old boy, a three-year-old girl and a two, uh, excuse me, a five-month-old little boy. Oh, so you guys just get tons of sleep all the time and have tons of all the time. Yeah. Fortunately, my wife's pretty good. She says, "Hey, if you're you're the one out earning the earning the money and and bringing in the bacon, I'll get up with the kids." And and she does that. So she's always been good about that. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have uh, yeah. I have I have two girls, eleven and seven. And I remember that. Like, okay. You know, yeah. The beginning, it it was you know, it's just like you just have no time. You're tired all the time too. You know. Yeah. It, yep. It, that's how it goes for the next eighteen years, anyways. Yeah. Yeah, but they're 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 so, they're so fantastic though. Like I'm always annoyed by people who are like they think their kids are such a such a drag down on their life. I'm like, dude, your kids are you know kids are awesome. If you let them be awesome, kids are fucking fantastic. I think. I agree. I agree. We love it. We have a good time. We have some hard times, but we also have some good times, and it makes us Ed well worth it for sure. Yeah, definitely. So tell me. So and you're you're a you're a veteran as well, right? You were in the you were you were in Iraq. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I joined the National Guard when I was 17. And so I did the the one weekend a month and the two weeks a year. I did that for uh, six years or so, six, seven years, somewhere in there. And then uh, in 2005, my unit got activated and we ended up going to Iraq. They convert us over to the regular army when we uh, go on active duty. And I spent a year and a half away, but 12 months of that, I was in Iraq. That was 05, 06. And I was in Ramadi in a uh, a really bad place in a really bad time. Oh my God. Well, thank you for your service, man. That's, well, I appreciate that. Thank that, you. That, that That's awesome. I, I actually yeah. think you might be the first veteran we've ever had on the show. So I, I'm honored, I, man. I'm honored. Yeah, man. I, I really do. I mean, that's, man, you can't say enough about, about you guys and, and, ah, uh, man, it's just awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell thank me you about much. order, man. Like, so, okay. So you grew up without a father. I was the same situation. Like my mom and, and me moved away from my dad when I was, when we were, when I was four, I didn't okay. see him again until I was 36. And, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, she married someone else in the meantime, who I call my dad, who's, who's fantastic. But, but tell me about your, your journey and how, how this led to order of man. And actually before yeah, I do that, tell, can you tell everyone a little bit about order of man? Because I, I sure, just yeah. think this is so cool. Yeah, definitely. So order of man is a, it's a brotherhood, it's a society, fraternity, whatever you want to call it, but it is for men to help them become better men. So we want, we want guys to be better leaders, better leaders in their family, their lives, their communities, 
and we're trying to give them, equip them with all the tools and the resources and everything that they need. And the conversations, frankly, that we can have with each other, uh, that's part of the, uh, the thing behind what we do is, is our Facebook group. And we can have some conversations about what it really means to be a man and what we're struggling with. And so it's been pretty cool to see. And uh, the reason we even started Order Man, I mean, you said it, you even brought it up, is like I talk about my story and my history and how my dad wasn't around. And I had some other uh, stepfathers come into my life who were less than stellar examples of what it meant to be a good man. Uh, but you, when, when I start talking about that, you said something interesting. You said, you know, my father wasn't in the picture either. And, and what's really interesting is I started talking about this more and more and more. I see that the things that I went through were very common with a lot of other men right. struggling in their marriages, don't know how to be good fathers. Uh, they didn't have a father figure growing up. And really, if you look at society today, the, the things that we're dealing with, some of the situations and hardships and anger and hostility and frustration is, is really stems from a lack of men understanding what it means to be a good man and to actually follow through on that. And that's why I started Order of Man. I mean, for, for a lot of reasons, it was selfish. It gave me access to guys like you and other people that I could literally have conversations with that otherwise I would have no business having conversations with. And I wanted to learn from them what it meant to be successful in business and family and all of the things that we want to be successful in. And uh, that's that's what we're doing. And I started about a year and a half or so ago. I started March 2015. Or, yeah, 2015. So like I said, we've been going for about a year and a half. But it's really amazing to see the growth. And a lot of people ask me, what is the deal? with the growth. And really at the end of the day, it's just that uh, we struck a chord. A lot of guys are dealing with this and, and they want to be better men. They just need the path or the framework to be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You started a year ago and you're already experiencing this level of success. Good for you, man. That's yeah. Well, I appreciate that. that. That's, that's, that's so cool. Thank so, you. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about the guys who are involved in your group? I mean, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of men are we talking about? Like what it, I mean, these are guys like me. So if you went through and you just described me and my demographic, I'm, I'm 35 years old. I've got four kids. I've been married for 12 years. I'm fairly relatively new in my businesses. I'm a financial advisor by trade. I've, I've, uh, I've always had this vision like, Ryan, there's something more like in this, in my, in my mind, there's something more out of life. You're destined to do something great. You're destined to do something wonderful. And for a long time, the manifestation of that, the way that I was living my life, it wasn't in, uh, agreement with that. There was, there was odds between what I thought I could be and what I was actually doing. Right. And, uh, if, if I were to describe what our, you know, avatar, you hear that I I'm using air quotes, but you you sure. hear that avatar, like describe your ideal audience member or client or whatever it may be. It's really me. I mean, I built this for me and if that resonates with somebody else, then, then we invite them in and hopefully they can connect with us. And, uh, and if they don't, that's fine too, but yeah. uh, enough guys are seeing the value of what we're doing. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, I think what, one of the things I think is so cool about what you're doing is that, you know, when we, you know, cause I've been married 14 years. And so when okay, you first, yeah. you know, yeah. So when you first get married, you know, you, you know, you go through all the steps of like, you know, you get married the first year, you know, some things are great. Some things are, you know, unexpected, you don't know. And then you start having kids, right? And so when yeah, you start sure. having kids, like your wife, if your wife was anything like my wife and like a lot of wives out there, they have all the, you know, they have a ton of access to mom's groups or friends yeah. who've been married, you know, who have had kids. So they, so when they have a problem, you know, they, they go to their Wednesday night, you know, wine meet up with their friends and they talk, you know, they, you know, just complain about whatever, you know, whatever's going on or whatever challenges sure. they're having or whatever. But what I found was like, that was some of the loneliest times in my life was when my oldest daughter was first born and I had challenges because I don't know who to help, you know, you don't know who to turn to. Like, exactly. because you're not, you know, because you look at your friends and like, they don't know what the hell they're doing largely <laughs> and they're also not asking for help you know i mean it, whereas like kelly had this built-in support system she could go outside our house throw a rock and probably hit a mom who was like you know be willing to talk to her for three hours about 
you know, breastfeeding or not being able to sleep or body issues or whatever. And, and as a guy, you just don't have that. Like, so that's one of the things I think is so cool about what you're doing and, and, and kind of some of the stuff that we're doing is like, there are so many guys out there who need this and are, and, and are now, I think in this day and age, okay with needing it. Cause if you yeah. go back, yeah. you know, 20 years ago to kind of when I was coming up and when I was getting out of school, like it wasn't okay to need this. And it right. was a super hippy dippy thing with like <laughs> guys in Birkenstocks wearing hemp shirts, you know, in a field banging a drum, which, Hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing, you know, but it's, it doesn't necessarily appeal to guys like you and I kind of like just regular guys in the world, you know, trying to make yeah, definitely. Way. Yeah. Well, what's really interesting is, you know, you go back thousands of years ago, how did men operate? Well, we operated in tribes, right? We, mm-hmm. we, we rallied around together and that helped us be stronger. That helped us advance. And then all of a sudden uh, we get into modern society. And for some reason that lone wolf is the noble one, right? We look right. at that one guy who's the quote unquote self-made man and he goes out and he attacks the world and he doesn't need anybody's help. And so there's been a, a lot of negative press, if you will, about sure. what, you know what I mean? About, about actually reaching out, being vulnerable, connecting as another man with another man and, and oh putting God. yourself out there and saying, I need help has, has not been something that has been okay. But I think it's really valuable. This is ingrained into us, not just as men, but human beings to connect at a social level because we're stronger when we do. You have to. And like, even like, even with what you just said, right? So and I've been doing this for a while and, you know, my, my book came out in July. And so I've always focused, you know, been involved in this stuff. But even when you said connect with another man, my stomach clenches because sure, I immediately like, goes back to, you know, being 18 and like, there's no way I would talk about my feelings or right. what I'm going through. Like, I mean, right. you know, and I'm 46 year old, 46 years old now. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about your background. So where did you, where did you grow up? And, and one of the questions I always ask people is about high school, because I think we get so many lessons in high school. So what was high school like for you? What were some of the biggest lessons you learned in high school? Yeah, you bet. So I actually grew up in Southern California. When I was 14, I oh, moved did. to a small, yeah, and I moved to a small town in Utah. I grew up in in the Anaheim area, Yorba Linda, if you're familiar with the yeah. area. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I grew up there until I was 14 years old. Then I moved to a small town in Utah. The high school that I would have went to in Southern California, Esperanza High, had more kids in the high school than the entire population of the town I moved to. And so it was a huge, huge shock, just a big culture shock moving to this thing. But it was, it was one that I wouldn't trade for the world. I mean, I learned a lot of what I talk about through Order of Man, through my four or five years growing up and in, in, in this small town in southern Utah and the conservative values and the sense of community and rallying around and supporting each other. All of those things I'm still talking about. I learned a lot of what I talk about on the football field and the baseball diamond. I had some incredible coaches who really stepped up as leaders. Leaders. Those are guys that I look to as men in my life who have been a great example. And, and sports have been so phenomenal for me. Uh, school was something I never really enjoyed. I always did decent at because that's just what you did. But sports is where I learned all of it. Teamwork, dedication, sacrifice, commitment, how to lose, how to win, all the things that it means to be a man you can learn on the, on the field, which is why I think it's so important that we get our kids involved in competitive sports as, as early as we possibly can because they can start to learn these lessons as well. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. So what sports did you play? So I played football uh, four years. I played baseball for four years. I played basketball for one year, and I wrestled for one year. Jesus! So you played the you played the you played the classics. What, what position in football did you play? 
I was a fullback and a linebacker. Oh, nice, nice. I'm fairly small for those positions, but in a small school with a, with 42 in our graduating class, you can get away with something yeah, like that. It. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I, I'm a I'm a pretty big football fanatic. I actually still play in in a in a in a in a men's league now, like a 35. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and I've been full. Con- is it a full contact league or? God like no, no. It's it's. Oh, okay. It, I'm gonna say it, and it's gonna it's it sounds oxymoronic, but it's com- it's a very competitive touch league. Okay. So yeah. No, that's cool. Of, like, it's awesome. Yeah, a lot of ex athletes, and it's 35 and above, but it's it's a blast. I mean, it's just an yeah. absolute blast. I wouldn't you know wouldn't trade it for the world. We actually have our cool. um draft coming up this weekend, and so like everyone's you know going back and forth on email about like where everyone's gonna go. go. So it's. It's yeah. like, you know, being 20 years old again and, and, and <laughs> make it. Well, I mean, talk about the sense of community. I mean, these are guys, these are brothers of yours that you can rally around. And oh, if, yeah. uh, if there's an issue outside or off the football field, I'm sure that Anytime. all of you guys would support each other that way. Oh, without a doubt. Like if one of them called right now and said, Hey, I'm in trouble and I need to go, I'd be like, Ryan, talk to you later. <laughs> We'd finish part two later. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, cool. <laughs> so that, that's cool. So, I mean, so sports really was an outlet for you and you yeah. see, it sounds like what's interesting about your story from what I've read about you and what I've seen on your site, it seems like. The fact that when your dad left when you were three, I think people can go and, and, and this is what I think about life. I think people can either use a traumatic event like that and they either use it as a crutch and they spend the rest of their life saying, what was me and I'm bad or I do this and you know I have these issues because of this or they use it as fuel and they use it you know, like, hey, I'm going to be better than this. I'm not going to be like that when I'm older and it just it, it is the. Uh, somewhat of the fuel that drives them. It sounds like you really use that as fuel and not really as a crutch. Is that fair? Uh, you, not necessarily. And, and the reason I say that is probably both because for a long time I used it as an excuse not to excel. You did uh, really? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until I hit rock bottom. I alluded to it earlier with my wife that I kind of came to the conclusion that maybe much of the way that I was behaving with my family, my wife and my son at the time was a reflection upon the, uh, influences, the examples that I had in my life. And I began to see how that impacted and affected and changed who I was. And when I became aware of that, I think that's the first step, understanding why you're doing the things that you're doing. Because when you understand why, then you can start to change some of the mindset. You can start to change some of the belief and then you can start moving forward and taking different actions that will yield something that you actually want. So I tell my kids, especially my eight-year-old, because he's old enough to understand it, I say, you have to live your life by design, not by default. He rolls his eyes every time I tell him that. But, uh, <laughs> but it is important that we are deliberate and intentional about what we're doing in any given day and in any given moment so that we can design the type of life we want to. Oh man, that's awesome. That's fantastic. So can you, can you, I mean, I don't want to get too, too, too deep into your stuff if you're, if you're, but when you were going, I'm an open book, man. So yeah, well, good. All right, good. I'm glad you said it. So, you know, because I think it's important for people to hear that because, you know, people say they hit rock bottom. But what do you mean by that? What was going on? Like, tell us what so, you want to tell us. Yeah, you bet. So uh, I remember the I remember the evening my wife and I got into an argument and I can't remember what that argument was about. But I remember vividly like it was yesterday telling her I don't even want to be married anymore. Oh. And uh, yeah, it was rough. And she said the same thing. And uh, we decided, okay, well, we we got to separate. This is not going to work, and so we're going to call it quits. And I, the next morning, I woke up and I started to drive to Salt Lake, which was about a four-hour drive for me. It was snowing that day, and I remember getting about an hour outside of the city, and I thought to myself, "What the hell are you doing, Ryan? Like your marriage is falling apart, and your wife's going to leave you, and things aren't going good. You've got a one-year-old son who's relying upon you, and here you are." running away from the situation. So I turned around, I made some calls, turned around, came back and and I tried to convince her to stay. But the reality was at that point I had done too much damage. 
and she left and she went and moved with her parents for a while. We were separated for three months, but for a long time, there was uh, despair. Just I remember the feelings of just frustration and anger and contention and resentment and every negative word you can think of mm. towards her. Like, how could she do this to me? Why was she not being a good wife? Why was she doing this and not doing that? Why didn't she appreciate me? And I came to the conclusion, these were dark times, brother. They really were. Yeah. Um, there's, there's never been a darker time in my life than when I experienced that. But I did come to the conclusion through this experience that maybe it wasn't her, that maybe she wasn't at fault, that it was me. And there was some things that I was doing or wasn't doing that was creating the problems. And so I really went to work on myself and I started listening to uh, books on tape. I started reading blogs. I started uh, uh, reading uh, other books. I started surrounding myself with successful people, both in business and fitness and life in general. And I started to really change. This was the catalyst for change for me. So I went to work on myself. Long story short, I remember the call where she called me. We had gone on a couple of dates during our separation and she called me and she said, Ryan, I want to come back home. Oh, dude. And uh, yeah, yeah. And you know what? There was a lot of people who said to me, Ryan, it's over. Give up, move on, call it quits. And just in the back of my mind, it was always nagging to me that this is not over. Like you can fix this, you can change this. And I know for a lot of guys, unfortunately, it doesn't always work out like this. And regardless of what they do and how they improve themselves, it might just be too late. But what I have I've realized is that when you go to work on yourself, that's not a mistake. That's never a wasted cause or a wasted effort. Because if right. you're a, if you end up uh, 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 getting your wife back or or not, you're going to be an amazing catch for the next woman to come in your life. But you're going to be able to stand on your own two feet, which a lot of men, frankly, cannot do at this stage in life where that where they are currently. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think that I think you know when you do something like that, it's it's sort of a net, you know it's a net add no matter what. Of so course, even, even always a good thing. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had a similar situation in our marriage where we, you know, we with, when the girls were born and, and, you know, I don't know, it was never that we didn't separate. It wasn't that dramatic, but we were at, we were at a therapist office one day and, and kind of got to a point where we're like, we're like, all right, either we're staying together or we're not. And if we're not, yeah. let's not, let's not put each other through this pain anymore. Let's just figure, let's figure this out. And my, I love my wife, she, man, she's fantastic. And, and our relationship has never been better than it is now. But yeah, I remember those dark days, man. They're 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 rough. They are yeah. rough. And there's Yes, they are. But when you come out though, the cool thing is when you come out, everything is puppy dogs and rainbows because nothing is ever really as bad as that. You know, once you It is and out. and you know you can work through things. I mean, my wife and I, we still have issues, right? We still have sure. arguments, we still have disagreements. There's still things that we uh, we struggle with at times in communication, but at the end of the day, I know she loves me. She knows I love her. And uh, we're willing to work past those things because we're both better communicators because of the experiences that we've uh, uh, have gone through together. Right, right, right. Yeah, so cool. So tell me about um, – I know you guys just did an event recently. Yeah. I want yeah. to hear about this event because it just sound, I wish I could have gone, but I heard about it too late. But <laughs> Next time, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just sounds awesome. Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the event we did is called The Uprising. And uh, I had this vision, this idea when I got started with this. I was probably trying to think here. It would have been the end of last year where I had this thought. I literally woke up and I thought to myself, I want to put together a men's retreat. And I thought to myself where military basic training meets Boy Scouts. And what I see a lot of guys lacking in their life is a rite of passage, for lack of a better term. Yeah. I think women have it, but men don't really know. It's like, when did I become a man? Like, did I become a man? Is there anything I did? How did I prove myself? Ancient right. cultures have done this. We don't do this in modern society. We don't. So I thought to myself, we could create something like this. And I woke up and I remember thinking, okay, I want to create this event. 
And the next day, I literally booked a lodge. This was a uh, – it must have been a, a Saturday that I booked the lodge. That's great. And I remember waking up Monday like, what the hell did you just get yourself into, Ryan? Right. And uh, I, I tried to put come, it, right? Yeah. I mean I tried to put it together and I didn't know what I was doing and I floundered a little bit. And it, I had it scheduled for March of this year and it didn't work out because I didn't know what I was doing. But I didn't want to scrap the idea. So I said, all right. So I called the lodge up. I'm like, hey, I need to move the dates. I lost a little bit of money on the switch, but it, it was worth it. So anyways, long story short, we did the event last weekend, had 20 guys from all over the country fly in and we just shook these guys up. I mean, that was the goal. I wanted them to experience something that they had never done. So every day we were doing doing new stuff. We were doing survival training. We shot se- uh, six or seven different weapon systems. We shot each other with airsoft guns and we had some competitions that way. Uh, we did firesides in the evening where we literally sat down around a fire, a campfire and discussed what was going on, like what was working, what wasn't. And this was real talk. This wasn't politically correct stuff. This wasn't worrying about, and, and I'm not trying to be negative in this situation, but it wasn't worrying about what, what, what your women might think or what your wife might think. Because yeah. when you, when you, add a woman into the equation, it changes the dynamic. And sure. it's valuable that, of course, we have women in our lives. But sometimes guys need to talk as guys. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And so uh, we did that. Mm. And we had a, had a graduation, a big, a big steak dinner. It, man, it was awesome. We had such a great time. And these guys walked out doing something that they've never done before. And then now they've got the tools and the, and the clarity and the focus and hopefully some confidence knowing that, hey, I got through this weekend and I did some things that I've never done before. What am I willing to try moving forward? And, and hopefully that spills over into their lives. Dude. It was awesome. We got the next one planned already. So, I mean, oh, it was, you do. It was When's that the next co- one? It's in April, the end of April, 2017. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, put okay. it on your calendar, man. We'd love to have you out. Yeah, yeah, I'm writing that down as, as, as we're talking. I'll, I'll put a link to all, all your stuff. On, yeah, for uh, sure. On the post, but, all right, cool. So tell me, you know, in, 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 in the uprising, what are the biggest issues that you find that other men are facing? What are the issues that, that other people are facing right now? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is it comes down to confidence. Like guys really don't have the confidence in their marriages or in their business. And, and they're kind of floundering. You know, they're, they're really struggling. And they, like I said before, they know what they want, but they don't know how to get there. And even if they did, they don't, they're not sure if they would take that action in order to get there. So confidence is a big issue. Uh, I think the best way, and of course, we can delve into this even more if you want to, but the best way is that you've just got to have some courage. Like you've just got to have some balls because you can't have confidence if you haven't earned it. And that's right. the dilemma is like these guys say, well, I don't, I don't have confidence with ladies. Okay. Well, when's the last time you went and approached an attractive woman? Well, I don't know because I'm scared. Okay. But the only way to build courage is to go do it. So it's not like what comes first, the action or the confidence. The first thing that comes is the, is the courage. You got to have the courage to put yourself yeah. out there, which drives you to action, right. which drives confidence. And then it's the cycle. The more confidence you have, the more courage you have to try something bolder next yeah. time. You so that's to. what we're working on. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it goes along. I mean, I, I wrote about this a little bit in the book because I, I, I completely agree with you. And I think one of the biggest pieces of it is, is that we have to, as men, let go of the things that make us think that we have to be perfect. So I talk all the time about like, Hey, I'm shooting for success, not perfection. So in that circumstance, like, you know, if I was, if I was single or whatever, like for me, success means if they are two good looking girl or women that I want to talk to, if I go and talk to them, they might both say no, but that's going to bring me closer to someone who eventually will say yes. And which will be a success, which means like it goes along the lines of your, you know, having courage to do it. It's like we have to all, I, I think so many of us are tied into. Hey, I'm trying to do everything perfect. I'm trying to do everything right. I'm not allowing myself 
the opportunity for failure and that failure is going to be okay because it leads to, you know, it leads to something else. So that's interesting you say that because I, t- I totally agree with it. It's almost like the guys aren't giving themselves the chance either way. Right. Right. And, They're yeah. not taking that at bat. Yep, definitely. And so how do you see that manifesting with people when you're, when you're talking to them? Well, it's just frustration. I mean, it really is. The, the worst feeling in the world, and I know because I went through this, is living a life less than what you know you can be living. Right. And so guys are wandering around and they're very frustrated. They're very upset because they know they can have more, but they're not able to manifest that somehow. And so they're thinking to themselves, why the hell is this not working? What am I not doing? Why why not me? I see all these other guys who are having success, but it's not happening for me. Why is that? And so they walk around life frustrated. And then eventually what happens when you're frustrated long enough, you just resign, yep. right? You resign to this life of mediocrity and being average and being complacent and doing what other people tell you to do, which is why we work in a cubicle for 40 hours. I'm not necessarily against that, but if you aren't meant to live, to live and work in a cubicle for 40 hours for the next 40 years, that's, that's an issue, right? Right. Uh, But, but a lot of guys, basically they, they surrender to what they think they have to do or what somebody else tells them they should be doing. Yeah. I see that all the time. I mean, it's a sad, I mean, you know, we, I see that all the time and I, to me, it's just sad. You know, I it just, is sad. It, it just, I just see that because I'll see people and I'll, I'll say, man, God, is this what, is this what the 13 year old version of you really wanted to do? <laughs> yeah. Did great the 13 year old version of you want to be, you know, working in an office job? I, I, I interviewed these, um, uh, two good friends of mine who run our CrossFit gym about a year ago and young guys, you know, real, you know, pretty smart, pretty mature, way more mature and, and smart than I was when I was 25. <laughs> 25. Yeah. And I yeah. asked them, one of the things I asked them, I said, well, why did you, you know, I said, what, what drives you? And like, what, why were you motivated to do this? And one of them, Blake, uh, said, he said, you know, I think my 13 year old version of myself would be really stoked to see where I'm at in life right now. Interesting. I always wanted that to drive me. I always wanted to know like, okay, would the 13 year old version of me really, really stoked about what I'm doing? Cause if you think of that kid, right? So that 13 year old kid, cause I have an 11 year old, you know, that 13 year old kid is still filled with wonder and possibility and, and hasn't really gotten into high school and isn't like fully into like under, you know, seeing what, you know, really what, you know, clicks are in high school and maybe they're not, you know, you know, getting into puberty yet or whatever. And, and it, so they're, they're, they have all this possibility. So that, so the idea that they want to be a professional football player, like that's a possibility for them. They're not sure, thinking sure. that it's not. And I feel like we all get to kind of a point where like all these possibilities just kind of go out the window for whatever reason. And, you know, we sort of get, you know, we sort of get screwed. Right. Yep. I agree. Yep. We resign. Like I said before, and like you're saying now is like, we just, we just give up and the world beats us up and we get down on ourselves and then we never get back up and dust ourselves off. Right. And you can't, you can't do that. So tell me, so I want to ask you, what do you think? I mean, what do you think about manhood? What are the most important traits of manhood in your mind? I mean, I confidence, I get that, but what are some of the other ones that you think that, you know, if you had to, de- if you had to define what it means to be a man today, what is that? Yeah, what's really interesting is I ask every single guest of mine at the end of my podcast what it means to be a man. I've got a lot of definitions and a lot of things that resonate with me. Number one is just a matter of taking personal responsibility. Responsibility for yourself and all the things that you need to get done, but responsibility for those you have an obligation to be responsible for. So I think about my family. When I said I do, my wife became my responsibility. When we decided to have children, my children became my responsibility. And so at the end of the day, it's my responsibility to take care of them. And the three things I talk a lot about when it comes to being a man are number one, being a protector. 
right? It's our job to protect ourselves. It's our job to protect our loved ones. It's our job to protect those that cannot protect themselves. That's number one. And we see this as evidence of, of a lack of masculinity and lack of manhood when we see people getting mugged on the street and beat up on the street and people turning a blind eye or a woman getting raped or abused and we don't say anything about it. Right. Um, or, or we don't even have the mental fortitude or the physical ability to protect anybody. That's right. an issue. So number one, protection. Uh, number two is being a provider. You know, I hear a lot of guys, this isn't so much anymore, but over the past several years, we've heard guys who say, you know, I can't get work. I can't get a job. That's bullshit. You can get a job, but you just don't want to flip burgers. Right. But a man does <laughs> right. whatever he has to do in order to provide for himself. And he's ashamed at himself when he has to live off the system because he's fully capable of himself. Now, a lot of people will get after me on that. And, and to, 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 to that, I would say, look, I'm not talking about somebody who's uh, incapable, either physically or mentally, of taking care of themselves. I'm talking about the fully capable hundreds of thousands of men who aren't doing what they need to do to be a provider and put food on the table. So right. protect, provide, and then the last one is preside. This is all about leadership, being a good leader, being a good steward, caring about other people, having a clear vision for the future, and then rallying people around that cause. The definition of a leader is a man who will – or a woman who will – take people to a place that they could not have imagined going on their own. And so leadership is a huge tenant, a core tenant of being a man. And that's, uh, that's my quick version of what it, what it means to be a man. Oh, dude, I love it. I love it. I love the, um, I love the providers piece too. Cause I mean, that's been, that's been sort of an overriding theme in my life when, yeah. you know, in the businesses, the different businesses I've had, just like everybody else, I've had ups and downs. And there've definitely been times where, you know, like I've either been faced with either, you know, do I file bankruptcy? Do I try and get, you know, go on unemployment or whatever? And I've never done it. I've never done yeah. it largely because yeah. I was like, look, I'll stand on the street corner and I'll go clean yards. I will do yard work. I will do whatever. I'll do some menial job before I do any of that because I'm not incapable. Yep. You know, and, exactly. and, it, was, and it was way more about what, how I felt about myself than it was about anything else. Like, I don't think anyone else would have begrudged me had I done it, but it was more about like, no matter what happens, I have the, the capability to get out of it. I, I have the ca capability to do it for those that can't. And if they're incapable and they, you know, and they are on public support for whatever reason, then yeah, I get that. Like, I understand that that's totally fine, but that's not me. Like I'm right. always going to have that opportunity. And I think that that builds a certain level of strength in your own mind where you're like, look, I'll do whatever. And, and I think you're totally right. Because like, if someone who's like, like is not willing to flip burgers as, as you know, to your example, well, if you're not willing, then that's an ego thing. And, of course. And then you're letting your ego drive your life. And then really, like, what kind of life are you going to have? Well, you're... what's really interesting about that, you're right. It is an ego thing. And, and some people might say that type of work or, or, or landscaping or whatever it may be would be you know, beneath me, that's beneath me. I can't do that. Well, what's beneath me is begging people for money or, or something that I could create on my own. That's beneath right. me. And that's where the shame comes in that I think is actually a little bit healthy. Like I'm not going to do that. Um, it's, it's more important, even if I'm flipping burgers or doing something that I would consider, you know, maybe, or, or somebody else might consider beneath them that I'm going to do that because that's what needs to be done. And at least I'm providing my way. Right, right, right. Yeah. You're forging your own path. It goes, it kind of goes back to the old mindset of, you know, uh, you know, several hundred years ago when like, you did whatever you could do to survive. Because what was the alternative? De death, right. right? Death. So death and so pain. What's, what, yeah. And so what's the alternative now? I mean, the alternative is uh, you're on food stamps or, you know, somebody else takes care of you. So there's no like, there's no consequence to our lack of action or our, or our negative actions. And that's a problem in society is the uh, lack of consequence for the decisions we're making. Yeah, totally agree. Totally, totally agree. So what do you, so, you know, in, in terms of order of men, what do you enjoy most about running this business? 
you know, every day is something new. That's what's really cool. I was out today um, for for the retreat, like I was talking about. We were shooting air, airsoft, so so I was out this this morning testing one of my new guns. <laughs> that was, that was kind of fun. So yeah, what is so it? Had, what's it called? An airsoft gun? What an is airsoft it? gun. It's basically, I mean, it, it is a model. It's an AR-15. It's a model AR-15 uh, down to the exact specifications, down to the exact weight. But it shoots these uh, little small pellets. They're BBs, but they're they're hard plastic. Okay. And uh, if you get hit with when we did get hit with them, I don't want to say if when you get hit with one, it hurts. I mean, it stings. It'll break skin. Uh, one of the guys that we had actually got shot right in the neck and it broke some skin on his neck. It was pretty cool. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. It, every day is something new, but it's pretty cool to be able to have conversations with you. But, you know, it's really rewarding for me. I just did a video on this. I got a coin. It's a uh, firefighters challenge coin is what it is from one of the guys in our community who is a fire chief. And he sent me this coin and he sent it as a token of appreciation for the things that the the order had done for him and, and helped him with. Uh, but it's pretty rewarding, man. And that's that's the most powerful thing for me is that I can see that there's guys that are taking the information that we're sharing inside of the Order of Man on the podcast, the blog, and the groups, and all of the things that we're doing. And I'm actually seeing these guys apply this stuff and literally change their life. Like guys are getting new jobs. They're starting businesses. They're getting promotions. They're saving their marriage. They're reconnecting with their kids. They're losing weight. And to know that Part of that, I'm not going to say all of that, but part of that is because something that I have decided to create, something I had a thought about and actually put into action is very, very rewarding for me, more so than anything else I've ever done in life. Oh, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And isn't it cool too? Like, isn't it one of those things? Because I, I feel like you're, you're a little bit like me in the sense that like, it's not even the matter of people that you, that, that you're, you're changing their life. It's more that like, Hey, I've changed a couple guys' lives and that's awesome. Yeah. Like all yeah. this work and it's changed two people's lives is fantastic. The fact, so it's not like a numbers thing. You're not like a, you know, a Tony Robbins seminar where you're like, Oh, we need to have 5,000 people changed by this date. It's like you know, <laughs> right. kind of one by one and, and by in groups of 20 and, and make an impact that way. I just think that that's, that's, that's awesome. What are the biggest challenges you face in this business? Uh, let's see. That's, that's really hard for me to answer. I mean, I'm always pushing. I'm always trying new things. I failed a couple of times. I've lost some money. I've jumped too quickly. Uh, I, I don't know that there's any, and maybe it's just the way that I look at it, but frankly, I don't know that there's any challenges up to this point. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like there's anything that has just been a major hurdle or a major roadblock. I guess the only challenge I have right now is with the growth that we're coming, I'm going to need to figure out a way to leverage myself. And yeah. that's that's a concern of mine, frankly. I mean, I, I've built this over the past year and a half, and I've always been the face of it, and I've always been very engaged and very focused. And to the maximum degree that I can, I'm going to continue to do that. But if I really want to impact as many people as we do, and I want to help as, as many ways that I can, I'm going to need to bring people on and I'm going to need to learn to include people on this journey with me. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it makes sense. And the funny thing is, I think, I think if, uh, if we went back in time, went back in ten, back in time, you know, five, 10 years, and I asked you the same question while you were a financial advisor, you probably would have had a litany of things to tell me that were challenges. Probably because it wasn't as engaging as the work I'm yeah. doing now. Yeah. And it's not what you, you know, it's not what your why is. I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've ever read Simon Sinek's book, um, start with why he talks about, of course. yeah, of course. And so, you know, I mean, like, you know, if you're, if you're not connected to your why it's just, everything is a challenge and everything is a bitch. Right. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So tell me, uh, so this is going to be kind of a loaded question, but okay. who, who, who are your heroes? Hmm. And good why? question. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, uh, 
I, we could come at this a couple of different ways, but I mean, my mom is a big hero of mine. She raised me basically on her own. So she did a lot of work on her own to make sure that my sister and myself were raised correctly, that we did what we needed to do, that we got everything that we needed to get. I didn't even know that we ever really struggled. I still don't, but I'm assuming that there was times where she was lying in her bed awake at night, uh, pretty scared about the situation that we were in as a family. Yeah, I'm sure. So she's definitely someone I look at my wife as another hero, somebody who, uh, who literally just has so much to give. She is the complete opposite of me. I tend to be, uh, sometimes a little bit, you know, aggressive, a little bit centered around, you know, me and, and she's not, I mean, she gives everything and she's so supportive and so loving and compassionate and caring. And so I look to her as those examples. Those are two, uh, heroes of mine in my life. But, you know, I have other mentors too, guys that I look to, guys that I follow. Uh, I've, I've hired coaches. I have a coach currently that's helping me work through some business issues. I have coaches when it comes to uh, my my uh, my fitness level. And so all of these guys are mentors and heroes of mine because they're helping me become a better man too. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's super cool. Yeah, it's funny. I would say my my mom and my wife are, are two of my biggest heroes as well. My mom you know, like you're a single, you know, single mom. She went to school every, you know, she went, she got her master's at night. She worked all yeah. day. I mean, I had no idea we were poor. Like looking back, exactly. I mean, we were super poor, but I, you know, I had no clue. I was going, exactly. I was going to football practice and basketball practice and every camp I wanted to go to. Like I never, I never once knew that we were poor until, you know, later on in my life. Right. And I can't imagine the toll that would have taken. I mean, it's, dude, it's hard raising kids when you're, <laughs> when you're in a marriage. Can you imagine yeah. doing this on your own? Yeah. No I mean, way. Like, no way. No way. Oh, fail miserably. Yep. Um, yep. I agree. Yeah. That's so that, I mean, more part time. And where did you meet, where did you meet your wife? Did you know, did you meet her in high school or is it? Yeah. Well, no, no. The, the, the longer version is that the first time I saw my wife, it was because my, uh, she was dating one of my buddies. <laughs> so oh, that's the long version. Um, <laughs> the short version is we, we were both working at the mall right at a, right in college. We were working at the mall and I'd go out on my break and flirt with her. She'd, she'd come over on her break and flirt with me. And, uh, that's, that's how we finally started dating. This was after my buddy had broken up with her. So, uh, of course he was mad at me for a while and then realized it wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> And are you still friends with him? I haven't talked to him for a long time, but I, I, I don't think there's any hard feelings. Even if there was, it doesn't matter at this point because I made a good decision and he lost out. Yeah. And you got, <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, dude, I, I'm 12 years <laughs> in four kids. Uh, That's sorry. right. <laughs> bring it, bring it on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's so fantastic. That's so great. Uh, cool. So what, um, I only have one more question for you. I ask everybody this. What do you okay. think, what do you think the three biggest keys to making your life epic are? What are the biggest keys? For you. Uh, just, I, I don't think you need three. I think you need one. It's just action. I mean, that's what it is. Everybody has an idea. Everybody has a vision. I haven't met one person who didn't have an, a vision for the future or their next million dollar idea. I mean, they're, they're everywhere, right? Right. Uh, but, but, but very rare is the person who will actually act upon that. And so if you really want to have epic success in your life, you really want to do what you want to do. You really want to have all the things that you say you want to have. It's going to take more than talking about it. It's going to take doing. Uh, so, so take that first step, take that action and uh, you're going to flounder. You're going to flail around a little bit. You're going to look like an idiot to, uh, but I'd rather look like an idiot and, and fail moving forward than fail sitting on the fence doing nothing. Oh, hell yeah, man. I look like an idiot all the time. I could care less. I could care Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun, right? It really is. You know, here's the, I think it goes back to what we were saying before. Like, it, if you're not afraid to look stupid, if you're not afraid to fail, and you're not afraid to look, you know, kind of like an idiot, then, then you become a really dangerous dude. Yeah, you sure. Know? Because you're just not afraid of things that 95% of other people are afraid of like, like, <laughs> sure. and I, and I think about this in my, in like, in how it's, you know, played out in my life. Like I'm married to a woman who is an unbelievable singer. Like she'd never admit it, but she's an unbelievable singer. Mm. I, on the other hand, am horrible. 
just <laughs> absolutely horrible. Like if you hear me sing, you would think like, you know, a dolphin is getting strangled somewhere or something. But, <laughs> but like I was in a band in college, you know, because it was fun. You know, we, we, uh, played at a, um, benefit from our kid from my kid's school last year and played jammed with some people on stage and, and again, very cool I, I sang and it's 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 miserable but like i'm not afraid to fail in those things you right know, i think that that makes people you could become a really dangerous dude when you're not afraid to fail you're not afraid to look stupid and, and it sounds like you've been in that in that situation as well i mean it's it must have been nerve-wracking as hell to go from being a financial planner uh, to doing this job course yeah i mean we wake up with challenges every day and concerns like is this work is this going to work there's never been a doubt whether this is the thing i should be doing but there's always concerns like is this going to work am i going to be able to make this happen right and uh you know we we try things like a retreat that don't work initially and we're like okay let's regroup and we try again and we make it work and uh, you can't figure that stuff out unless you do yeah you can't you can't so what um where can people get in touch with you what else do you have going on now what can we tell so them? we've got our headquarters i mean that's the best place to reach us order we've got the facebook group that's growing i mean we literally are are, are inviting and, and having about 50 to 70 guys per day in the Facebook group come in. So if you're interested in that, it's facebook.com slash group slash order of man. We'll get you, we'll get you invited to that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, those are the things. And then we've got the event that's coming up in six months. That's a ways out, but, uh, that's the uprising and we've only got 24 spots. I think that's going to fill up pretty quick based on the results from last time. Yeah. Well, so what on the results from last time, what were some of the people saying when they were leaving? Well, again, that these guys literally did something every every day that they had never, ever done before. I mean, these are guys so that are 30 awesome. years old all the way to I think we had somebody who was in his early 60s uh, and he's never done some of the stuff that we had done before. So they walk away with just a new frame of reference. And that's the beauty of trying things new is that the more you do that's new that you've never experienced, the more courage that you have in putting yourself out there in other situations where you've never tried anything. So, so there's a lot of confidence. There's a lot of courage. There's a lot of action taking place from trying new things. Even if you don't like it, the fact that you did it is what's uh, important. Yeah. And how did you find, how did you find the guys interacted with each other when they were there? You know, so we, uh, I've been to some other events where guys just don't interact, right? right and right. it's not just guys, the guys and gals, the attendees, they just don't interact with each other. And so I said, well, how can we do this? And uh, we kind of took a reverse approach. And what we did is we said, all right, well, from day one, what we're going to do when the guys get here, the very first thing is we're going to assign out their uh, their their rooms and each one of them have a battle brother. Okay. So a battle brother is somebody that they're actually bunking with they're roomed up with. So that helped break some walls down. Next time we do this, we're actually going to have battle teams where we're going to have six man teams. And these guys are going to start, uh, uh, cohesively working together as a team. But from the minute, right after we got their bunk assignments out, we went and did airsoft. And this is literally like, <laughs> we're going to shoot you. You're going to shoot me. And you know what? For guys like that's perfect. Like we're out running around in the woods. These guys oh, are yeah. falling on the ground. Some guys, scraped up banged up this guy got shot in the neck and he's got this you know this big mark on his neck but what was really interesting is these guys could talk about that experience from sure. the minute we started for the rest of the weekend and and so that interaction really really helped right because you can't you can't th- to me that's something that happens organically that kind of communication that kind of brotherhood exactly because you can't be exactly. in a room you know because i've been on these kind of retreats too and you can't be in a room and go around the room and say you know, tell us where you're from, what your name is, and your biggest challenge. Like, cause, cause <laughs> right. you lose every guy when you say that. Right, right. Like, right. Like, you know, or maybe- turn to the guy next to you and shake his hand and pat his oh, back and God. give him a hug. It's like, oh, dude, nobody wants to do that. God. Like, let's go out and forge some real stuff here. Yeah, let's and go so, you know, it- shoot things and, and get, exactly. get muddy, get dirty. Yeah, that's awesome, exactly. man. I love it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, well, yeah, it's um, cool. it good time. Yeah, well, listen, dude, uh, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show. You're, you're just awesome. I'm going to put links to all your stuff on the on uh on the show notes here but yeah you, you, i really applaud what you're doing i think it's so cool what you're doing i think it's so needed in this day and age and 
and I will definitely check out your treat. Maybe I can get to it, get out to it in, uh, in April. I'd be, I would be really stoked to see that. Awesome, brother. We'd love to have you out. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, talk with you and your, and your, your audience. You got it. You got it. And guys, thanks for tuning in today. Again, Ryan with Order of Man. Check him out. He is got, he is changing the world. He's doing some crazy, awesome stuff. Hey, thanks again for checking out the show. I really appreciate you guys listening in. Also want to let you know that my new book is out on Amazon. Can't believe it. Finally done after a year. It's called Hero Up, Unleash Your Inner Hero and Make Life Epic. You can check it out at heroupthebook.com, heroupthebook.com. So check it out and I hope you dig it. Talk to you soon.